Movie Film Studios, the only podcast that takes you inside the mind of two film studio executives as we unravel and then re-ravel the best that Hollywood has to offer. I'm Isaac. And I'm AJ. And this week we hired Denzel Washington to upload our minds into a recently reanimated collection of body parts. But before we get into something new, it's time for something old as we check in on our last feature in Box Office Report. Now, last week we released the uh, monster action... Not horror, but uh, action-adventure film, The BW. The BW. <laughs> it sounds like uh, a cable network It does, TV yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's one down from The CW. The CW. And yeah, it's, one, right. it's one better than The CW. That's one better. I think okay. The CW now is doing, like, uh, Teen Wolf, but it's, like, romantic wolf comedy. Yeah, They're doing yeah, 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 yep. Supernatural. They're doing yep. all the... The Marvel spin-offs, like the yeah, like uh, uh, the Fla- no, it's DC. The DC's Flash, yeah. um, Legends of the World of Tomorrow, Captain. I think, I think they're owned by Warner Brothers or they, something. They, yeah. they must be. Yeah. So who's the AW? Ooh, A A A N W is a, a <laughs> restaurant chain in America, I think. So, um, all right. So AJ, how'd it go this week? Well, interesting that you say that. So uh, obviously, you when you approach someone to do a film like this, when you say uh, we're going to have a blue whale. Uh, and it's going to be... So the, the whole story was a bunch of French perfumists yes. decide to genetically enhance a blue whale to kickstart or to further accelerate its evolutionary process. And as a result, it starts growing legs, crawls up onto land and takes over the world. Yes. Yeah. Now, from a production standpoint, you'd think straight CGI job for that yes, one, right? absolutely. No chance you could do it any other way. We decided to do it the other way. So we got in contact with James Cameron. Now, James Cameron is all about, when he's not making films about whatever, he's in his little submarine, yeah, he's diving down. He's gone down. Mariana Trench is yep. like his second home. Yep, Di- diving down to the briny deep. So we knew that he would know some blue whales. Yeah. Just know them. He's got them in his big Rolodex of contacts. So we we, we called him up and we said, look, Jimmy, um, we've got a film here. Uh, we need at least one blue whale that we can attach prosthetics to. Yeah. And uh, put it on a on a green screen underwater, so that's yeah, fine. Like yeah. it's all pretty green. Because you can't anyway. you can't use blue screen underwater. No, you specifically, can't. no, you can't use blue screen with a blue whale. No, because just nothing comes out the be, other side. Just be a pair of eyes floating in, yeah. the, in the on the screen. Uh, so he said, "Yeah, Jimmy, can you uh, can you hook us up?" He said, "Yep, absolutely." So he took us down in his little submersible. Uh, we <laughs> we got in contact with a lovely lovely blue whale. Uh, by the name... What was his name again? Um, Snorkel. Snorkel, yeah. yeah. Uh, Snorkel was like, yep, I'm totally fine. Attach the uh, attach the prosthetics to me. Give me legs. Give me so on and so forth. Shot the film with him. But now he wants producer credits. I mean, we can give producer... We can, we can producer credits no. are a dime a dozen. No, no. we can't. Because the Academy... Right, so the Academy has specific oh, rules oh no. on how many producers a film can have. It's Airbud rules. It oh, no, is Airbud. Like it doesn't specifically say that a no. dog can't play soccer, but it does <laughs> specifically say that a blue whale can't be producer. Exactly. So <laughs> we're in a bit of a quandary here because uh, we've got a film. It's in the can. Um, uh, Snorkel was an absolute gentle, well, gentle whale. I guess you can't really say gentleman. Uh, just consummate professional on set. Does want producer credit. And we can't give we it can't. to him because of the Academy. So I don't know what the solution is here. I have pitched making our own Academy instead. I mean, you can't say that. Like, if if, if the Academy gets wind of a, a clandestine, <laughs> like, 
sub academy. Yep. Do you, do you know how many other academies have just been wiped <laughs> off the face of the earth, never to be seen again? And in their in their headquarters, yep. all that remains is just uh, a gold statue. You don't think the Academy Award <laughs> is carrying a sword for no reason at all? <laughs> it will cut the head off a snake, oh, right, any okay. snake that dares to, to so trespass. They're actually going to send send over Oscar. Yeah, Oscar is a real. He's he's a robotic man with a <laughs> sword. Why did it's it's not just like a representation? No, it's what do you think? Lucas got the idea for C three PO from it. He was he was starting up his own uh, his own clandestine yeah, yeah. Um, academy yep. and got a visit from a nightmarish uh, gold <laughs> robot holding a sword. Um, had to drop his uh, his 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 ideas and uh, and he just went went away. Okay, and Star Wars. all right. So we're gonna. I have a theory. Then uh, maybe we don't want to win an Academy Award because I have a feeling those statuettes aren't actually statuettes. They're like sleeper Oscar agents. Oh, little little gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. So you, Listening in. That's right. It. That's right. So, and they obviously only want uh, the best. You know, the best of the best. They only want to listen in on those. That's why. I mean, we're surely to get one soon. But maybe we don't want one. Maybe we should reject it if we do get a nomination or we even win one, because then sleep Oscar the sleeper agent will be entombed in our trophy cabinet. Yeah. And who knows when that thing will will bust loose. Who knows? What if we want to put another whale as a producer one day? It may just step in and say, nope. Yeah. Okay, so there you go. Um, the BW, kind of in... Uh, in, in limbo. In limbo, yeah. Floating out in the ocean, I guess. Like a, so many pieces of ambergris. <laughs> um, all right, so I guess that brings us to this week in trailers. This week uh, What in is trailers. the first one up? First film we have for you today is Anon. Written and directed by Andrew Nicol, uh, who also did In Time, also wrote um, and produced The Truman Show, and uh, wrote and directed Gattaca. Yeah. So a lot of uh, sci-fi, uh, high concept. Uh, I think lumping in In Time <laughs> into high concept <laughs> is the, a is, little bit... Is like, that the one with Justin Timberlake? Justin Timberlake, yeah. Amanda Seyfried. Uh They've perfected the aging process, so no one has to die. Yep. So the your lifespan becomes your commodity. That's right. Yeah. And yeah, people yeah. pay you money, and you get yep. an extra couple of days to live. Yep. And the super wealthier, immortal, and the poor are struggling to survive. But that's still an interesting concept from a sci-fi point of view. It kind of is until you realize just how poorly done this um, <laughs> uh, wealth divide is. And then yeah. the, the main crux of the story is that you can arm wrestle. S- someone wealthier than you for their time true yeah. and the 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 trick is that you wait to the last possible moment because in that moment they give up and then you fight back and right. you, it was just so rubbish I'm okay like, arm wrestling does not work this way no. at all uh you like if and if this is the twist at the end of your story which is supposed to be a big metaphor for, i'm like you're <laughs> this is painful Okay, so Apache career for uh, Andrew Nicole. But anyway, Anon starring Clive Owen and Amanda, Amanda Seyfried, Seyfried back. returning for another one of his films. Uh, I'm not entirely certain what's going on in this no. film, but it seems to be a uh, sci-fi, near-future, um, kind of Matrix-style yeah, world. Yeah, it looks a little bit Matrixy. I actually thought it was going to be based on a video game just by the, the fact that a lot of the shots seem to be that first-person shot yeah. of you see the, the pistol being held out in front of you and yeah. it's in you know that lower third of your frame of vision and that's yep, yep, that's yep. all you see. Um, though I think the basic premise is Clive Owen is an investigator mm. uh, working for some sort of crime agency sure. and he's going around investigating 
things that are happening but in the future there seems to be some piece of technology mm. and so the eyes that he's looking through um are getting data from some point and yeah. um and overlaying what he's seeing with pieces of information and yep. then someone has been hacking in to the data overlay and uh deleting people deleting what he's seeing yeah making making him see things that aren't there making him not see things that are there yep uh and it's all a bit weird and then amanda seyfried comes along and says uh you think that i'm doing this but i'm being framed my clients keep disappearing cue the very i don't know matrix johnny mnemonic sort of yeah, style yep. sci-fi it also looks very film noir a lot of the style of the little bit clothing yeah. and the cars are sort of a throwback to the 40s very and 50s. Mono- monochromatic and i think uh, amanda Seafried's character, kind of her crux, is that uh, Clive Owen has no information on her whatsoever, so she is anonymous. Yes. Or anon. Anon. Yeah. Because even she erased the imus. Yep. Uh, so uh, we were just discussing prior about Netflix being a kind of... Oh, uh, we haven't mentioned this is a, a Netflix, straight yeah. to Netflix movie. Uh, and Netflix being a kind of a, a little bit of a graveyard for directors who might have started off quite well and had a, a few... Uh, films, a few good films up their sleeve, but have just taken a stumble yeah. in recent time. So we, we've talked about Duncan Jones's film Mutes. We've yeah. talked about David Ayer's film Fairy, uh, Fairyland. What was the, that called? The, uh, the Orc one. Yeah, the we Orc act- one, which we actually watched. We did. Bright. Is Bright. The, there the we name go. Of that yep. film. Um, these guys who had good Moon is a great film, yep. and then the career has just gone that steady yep. decline. And Duncan Jones's. Uh, yeah, hasn't really done anything great. Uh, David Ayer, what did he did, start? Did uh, Fury with uh, Shia LaBeouf. The, well, was that his tank? first film? I don't I, think I, it was his I first. I think he but... did a good film. Okay, well, either way, he did a horrible film in Suicide Squad. But um, can we can we Google David Ayer's good film? I'll call the Academy instead. Uh, so the Academy is telling me his first film as a director was Harsh Times. We've got Street Kings, End of Watch. Oh. So Sabotage. Street Kings, End of Watch. I... He wrote Training Day. There you go. That's that's actually probably where I was going with Training Day, uh, which does lead us into our second trailer, but I don't think we're quite done with number one. Not yet. Um, so yeah, Netflix sort of... I, I think they'd probably think, hope it is more of a rebirthing pool than a graveyard. Yeah. I... Um, <laughs> these these directors um, sort of falling off the, off the wagon a, a little, little bit. bit and trying to get back on... Um, I hope this knows? is good. Yeah, I, it's, yeah. it, it's been a while since I've seen a really good um, original concept sci-fi film. Yeah. This has elements that I find intriguing, mm-hmm. but I also kind of feel as though it might be might be really bad. <laughs> Which is... Because oh. it's done by a director who just last <laughs> film he did was really bad, and it's also straight to Netflix, so... All right. Trailer number two. Uh, let's change pace a little bit, and let's go for period... Victorian drama, I guess, in the form of Mary Shelley, based on, of course, the author of the same name who penned the uh, literary classic Frankenstein. Frankenstein. So yeah. this uh, is starring Ellie Fanning mm. as um, as Mary Shelley, and it focuses a little bit more on her life uh, as she she was married to Percy Shelley, is a famous English mm. poet, um, friends with Lord Byron, also another sort of famous poet, mm-hmm. and they're sort of uh, tumultuous and twisted relationships. Yes, uh, and then also the 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 backlash that she gets being married to someone who is a known uh, literary genius mm. and producing a work that no one really believes that she wrote. And, yeah, um, interesting 
conceptually period piece sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, it looks looks all right from it the trailer. It looks all right, but it's also filled with all of the trappings of any period film. Do you need to have someone, like, dramatically whispering to another character? Yes, you do. Do you need to have someone uh, tearing up at some point and exclaiming that their life is their own and they must lead it as they see fit? Of course you do. You'll see all of those and more in this film because it is just that again. Like it, is, it has the, yeah. the original twist there is that it's about Mary Shelley and everyone knows the Frankenstein story. And throughout the trailer, it's kind of interspersed with uh, a couple of shots of like what looks to be Frankenstein's hand kind of raising up from a table as if uh, he's just being constructed and is just coming to life. But I don't think that this film is going to go down the uh, the horror route and actually say, oh no, Mary Shelley was actually constructing a Frankenstein in the background. Um, it instead sort of uses Frankenstein as the kind of metaphor for her tragic yeah. and broken relationships, yada, yada, yada. It is such a popular popular genre at the moment. I mean... Saving Mr. Banks. Mm. Uh, there was one this year about the guy who invented uh, Wonder Woman and yeah. his his sort of somewhat sadomasochistic um, sexual preferences. Yeah. There was uh, Finding Neverland. Mm. Um, really, you can pick any classic author of the last sort of 20 years. Pretty much, yeah. And, and it, it tends to be the when, it, when their books become popular, like, so Wonder Woman became popular again. Yeah. People researched the life of this professor yeah. and they... Um, Oh, I don't look. I don't even know. I I couldn't name. There's, there, I'm sure they're, they've all been done. Yeah. But there's just there are dozens of them that it's, just it, sort of keep popping out. It's the public domain thing, right? You can just keep searching through that bin of public domain. So uh, uh, I think titles. The, the issue is like the the piece of literature doesn't have to be public domain because it's not about the piece of literature. Yeah. It's about the author. Yeah. So so long as you, you're telling a story about the author, yeah. then it doesn't matter how recent or who owns the <laughs> rights to that. Because, I mean, uh, who owns the rights to Wonder Woman at the moment? It'd be... Uh, DC, don't DC, they? so yeah. who's, who's that going through? Warner Brothers? Warner or? Brothers, yeah. Yeah, so... Oh, okay, so we can't make a film. Of, someone else is doing Wonder Woman. Let's yeah. do a story about... The guy who wrote okay, Wonder Woman, yeah, yeah. like, it's a it's a really cheap way of bypassing yeah. uh, copyright laws, Interesting, and at the yeah. same time getting the same public interest that's in it, like you know, <laughs> yeah, because you can intersperse your trailer with just like hints of like like Mary Shelley does, showing an actual Frankenstein monster, uh, even though the film is not going to be about yeah. that at all. So the question is, does this one? fit into the our dark universe bet <laughs> is, wow. it, is, it, is it technically uh, a frankenstein well, is film is this like a hype like a super prequel 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 yeah no, no. it doesn't right. okay i refuse to watch kingdom of the crystal skull again okay which were the stakes of the bet and i'm not gonna do it uh okay trailer number three the final and trailer for this, this is the one episode. that ties in with david i having written training day indeed is uh the Equalizer 2, yes. which is, I believe, Denzel Washington's first ever sequel. Yeah, I think you're right. He uh, has a really long career and a lot of really, really good films, Yeah, but has never franchised himself, never gone off and pulled this. I mean, we no. would have liked to have seen a Training Day 2. <laughs> we would have liked to have seen a Crimson Tide 2. I would have loved to have seen a Bone Collector 2. Bone Collector 2. Why uh, not? Um, oh, come on, Isaac. The Pelican Brief 2? Sure. Wasn't there a second Pelican Brief Possibly, maybe but he, he wasn't, wasn't in it. In it. Yeah, uh, I think that's the thing. I think he's been offered uh, sequels before, uh, but um, has never taken. You know, Malcolm X too. Yeah, Why didn't no, no, that, that would be Malcolm Eleven. <laughs> um, Fair enough. Philadelphia. Remember two? the Titans too. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Um, I, I still remember what you tightened. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so I mean, there's a, there's a whole bunch of possibilities, and he's been in a, a lot of really really good films. Yeah, um, but for some reason, has uh, never really taken taken on that uh, you know franchise role. Uh, but yeah. he is reprising his role from uh, the Equalizer, which I believe you have not seen. I've not seen, and no. I have. Um, the basic premise of his character is he's somewhat ex-military, but trying to live a quiet life, mm-hmm. and then but can't ignore injustices that are being done. Yeah, I think the Equalizer may have been like a he's living in a neighborhood where a, a gang had come along and it was extorting mm. people for sort of protection money yep. and then starts taking them on and then the big finale is in like a, a giant tool shop warehouse sort of like Bunnings yep. is the example in Australia and he sets up you know almost Home Alone style <laughs> traps where like they'll step on a trip wire yeah, but this yeah, time yeah. instead of like I mean, I think a paint can may fall down off the shelf, but like it's an axe and it comes through and it cleaves through his skull or he, yep, he yep. gets a nail gun and is yeah. shooting people like in the eyes with nail guns. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, this seems very similar where a friend of his is kidnapped for some reason and they're like, it, it looked very much like Taken. It's like, yeah. we've taken her. And he's like, you can't have taken her because this isn't Taken. You must have equalized her because yeah. this film is equal. I have a very specific set of skills. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's shots of like um, the Hagia Sophia in uh, Constantinople. So yep. they maybe are going to maybe. Eastern Europe, like maybe. like they did in Taken. Yep. Um, lots of car explosions, lots of him shooting people. Um, yeah, whiz bang, action packed. Denzel Washington dropping a line. I love there's a there's a scene where he opens a door and he kind of steps through it in slow motion. And in one hand he's got a pistol, in the other hand he's got an Uzi. But he leaves with the pistol. Which is like, shouldn't you lead with the weapon that does more damage? Like, that doesn't seem efficient to me. The the other one is he walks into a room and all he's got is a credit card. And, and <laughs> That's he, right, yeah, he, yeah, uses he uses it, it to slice a guy's throat yeah, open. absolutely. That's the kind of mindless balls-to-the-wall action that we want to see. <laughs> I don't know why it's older guys now. Like, the Expendables is like yeah. uh, old dudes. Uh, Liam Neeson's an old dude. Yeah. De- uh, Denzel Washington's getting up there. Yeah. Apparently, we don't want to see young action heroes anymore. No. You know what? I think I know what it is. I think it's just because of the the climate of the world at the moment. You want to see the established uh, action heroes that you've grown to love just doing their thing, no matter how old they are. It's kind of yeah. nice. It's kind of reassuring. It's like a warm hug as he slashes your throat with a credit card. It's, it's quite lovely. Can I also digress for a second? Um, you mentioned uh, in Equalizer 1 that there's a scene at a like a big hardware store where he sets up like Home Alone style traps. Why is it always Home Alone style? Every film that does any kind of like bespoke... Um, Rube Goldberg Rube style. Rube Goldberg style traps is always compared to Home Alone. Aren't there other things to compare Maybe. it to? I'm sure... Um uh, John Hughes, when he was writing that film, was like, and then I set up a mousetrap style um, <laughs> yeah. trap. And then the guy who was venting mousetrap is like, and then I set up a Rube Goldberg. <laughs> but like, it's whatever, whatever the, you know, the yeah, Zeitgeist. But has there not been like a film to replace Home Alone as like the new de facto standard I mean, for like... The, the the real gold standard is Home Alone 4. So, <laughs> uh, but I was mean... Was that a thing? Did they make a fourth Home Alone? There, there's so many straight to video oh. Home Alones. And I'm pretty sure most of them star French Stewart for some reason. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, look, I don't know. I don't think anyone's done like a um, a Rube Goldberg style no. tra- trap thing no. since then, and not in the same sort of 
whimsical kid no, Macaulay yeah. Culkin manner. Um, like, uh, yeah, because I mean that Home Alone is sort of built around the concept of making traps, but most films just sort of feature it as like a, a sequence. That, like yeah. Skyfall had it, for instance, and obviously the Equalizer one has it. Maybe the Equalizer two. Yeah, maybe exactly. the Equalizer. And from this point forward, we'll now say when a new film comes out, it'll be like, oh, and they've also got the whole Equalizer two yeah. style traps, and it has to be the two. So on the end of it, yeah, kids of this generation will go back and watch uh, Home Alone. Yeah, and like, oh, Macaulay Culkin is setting up Equalizer style traps. <laughs> Equalizer two, Equalizer style two style traps. Okay, <laughs> all right. So those are the three trailers for this week's episode. Uh, but of course, before we do anything with them, we need to be in the right environment, and this certainly isn't the right environment right now. So I suggest that the two of us take a little walk to the green room. Here okay. we are in the green room. Uh, all right, I believe you chose last week I our did. monster creature horror, I and did. it's my turn. Uh, we'll do a little bit of a recap. Yes, First indeed. up, we have a near future sci fi digital overlay, some hacking, sinister murder with, plot. with maybe a little bit of like a, a film noir ish yep. genre overtone. Mm-hmm. We have a uh, story of a the author of a classical piece of literature, mm-hmm. or we have a old man is still an action hero um inexplicably <laughs> yep. killing people half of his age yeah yeah um what are you feeling i think like i there's a few there that i think are much more movie stu- film studios than other ones mm-hmm. but i think what we really the the premise of the the company that we set up mm. was to analyze the market yep find out what the people want yep and beat them to um absolutely and i think there is a massive trend on the market yep. uh, on on the lives of authors yeah. being standalone films, For and I, re- sure. I really think that's the way we have right, to go. I with love this it. One. I love it. Now, um, what I think uh, something that you raised earlier was the idea of taking a not even a, a character that's in public domain, but a very popular character. And instead of having to license the rights for that character, which is obviously always tied up in. Um, you know, tricky legal situations and various other big studios. Uh, we just deal with the author of that particular character exactly. instead. So we can choose any character we want, anyone that we want, no matter how expensive, no matter how unobtainable it is, any character you want. I know I know who I want. Oh, who do you want? But, I mean, so my favourite characters mm. of all time mm-hmm. are Calvin and Hobbes. Okay. Beautiful. And uh, Bill Watterson has yep. this sort of very... Strange, not strange mentality, but it's, it's very counter to most other people yep. in that he has been pro- approached numerous times by people like Steven Spielberg mm. who want to make a Calvin and Hobbes film, yep. but um, he keeps rebuffing them going, it's not about the money. Yep. These characters are designed to exist as comic book characters and yep. nothing else, and I, th- I don't think... And uh, um, with a very finite run as well. Uh, yeah, for Calvin and uh, ten years, almost exactly ten years. Yeah, nineteen eighty-five to nineteen ninety-five. Yeah, um, and uh, you look at the the polar opposite. There is is Jim Davis. Yeah, who has just merchandised the <laughs> shit out of his own comic. Yeah, and that's to, got, to the Garfield point, for anyone. That isn't yeah, aware. To, to the point where um, it's just become like. It's it's horrible. It's on yeah. everything. Yeah. The comic strip's not funny. No. Um, the jokes have never been funny. Even Jim Davis admits that Garfield without Garfield is a better comic strip than anything <laughs> he could ever come up with. Yep. Um, 
Garfield's disdain for the world yeah, kind of yeah. feels like it's Jim Davis's disdain for his own creation. <laughs> uh, it's more syndicated than anything else. He's rolling in yeah. so much money because he just doesn't care about his creation. No, no. And no. what I reckon we do yeah. is sort of like, if you've ever seen The Pirates of Silicon Valley? Uh, I haven't, but I know of it. It's a film which sort of pitches, tells the story of Bill Gates and Steve, and Steve Jobs, Jobs yeah. as they sort of come up through the ranks and... Um, and then, you know, obviously, but, but at the end of that film, what's really weird is mm. Steve Jobs is down in the dumps because Bill Gates has bought Apple. Yeah. And he's just like, this is the thing that I never wanted to happen. Mm. And, it, and the, it sort of stops at a point before the iPod, before Apple's sort of resurgence. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting there. I reckon we do that for Jim Davis and Bill Watterson. Okay. Uh, and I don't know if they've ever met. <laughs> and I don't know if they ever had any sort of rivalry. Yep. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't this matter. This is the yeah. biopic story of yep. the, the rivalry <laughs> of Bill Watterson and Jim Davis. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. And and we can just pick up any other cartoon. Co- like Charles Schultz can be the wise <laughs> the wise old mentor to both yeah, of them. Yeah, brilliant. And like, he, a, he, like a Mr. Miyagi style. Yeah, Mr. Yeah, Mi- yeah. They, they, he, both of them are their protege and they yeah. both sort of like, as young kids are doodling and yep. they, they both have ideas for these striped cat-like animals and like you know there's all this like um bill watterson says that garfield is just a plagiarized hobbs and like there's there's all this sort (laughs) of like tension building up okay and because again bill watterson will never ever he's reclusive he like lives in like a small mountain cabin in montana somewhere great and no one has seen him for 15 years um so and he won't even have an internet connection to be able to load up mafuza woodita to watch this film no great all Um, right and and I'm sure Jim Davis will probably want some money out of it. But sure. I'm, there's a legal loophole here where, where if we're telling his life story, yeah. uh, it doesn't matter because we're not actually... Yeah, but see, that's not his intellectual property. We don't even have to use Garfield at the end. And I think that would save us a ton of money. If we say that like Jim Davis was like struggling to create this character and all we show are like the draft versions of Garfield and the like draft names that he ha- that he had for him, it's like, oh... Uh, Marfield? Oh, yeah. doesn't seem right. Jarfield? Exactly. Mm, no, yeah, not quite. A, at no point are the words Garfield, Calvin, yep. or Hobbes yeah, yeah. mentioned at None. any point in the movie. But I reckon the way we should end it is like the final, one of the final frames is like, it's just Jim Davis working at his desk and he's kind of like frustrated. There's all this crumpled up pieces of paper around him. He's kind of got the like prototypical uh, version of Garfield there, but he doesn't have the name yet. And he's got all these like, like, name scribbled out and then you just see his like face light up with like yes this is it and he starts writing the g cut to black yeah. that's it don't we don't show anything else yeah and that way and he's, he's about to, to finish it. it off and and from from the kitchen his wife's like do you want some lasagna <laughs> and he's just like yeah i do i really want some lasagna right now <laughs> yeah and he puts down his pencil yeah the letter's only half finished and you know yeah he's got it all right, great. So now we just got to figure out the rest of the plot. Exactly. So I mean, um, you always you have Charles Schultz always sitting there eating mm. his peanuts, <laughs> um, and and he sort of is the that central sort of the yeah, wise yeah, old yep. man who's taking these two young boys uh, through the journey. We need to hit yep. the beats of that journey, mm. like uh, you know, there's always the the ups and downs, and the yeah. they are friends and they're collaborating, yeah, and then yeah, they have yeah, a big yeah. fight. Well, I think they they need to they probably need to meet somehow, right? So. Uh, usually with tech, it's like, oh, we're, we're both kind of work. We were at uni together yeah. and we were working on some kind of like garage project for some yeah. kind of uh, in, in like a computing pr- machine. Proto Silicon Valley yeah, before yeah, it really yeah. took off. Is there a Silicon Valley for cartoonists? <laughs> for cartoonists? Uh, probably not, but maybe it should be like a, like a graphite 
Yeah. A graphite dell. Is <laughs> Gra- graphite canyon? A graphite canyon. There yeah. we go. Uh, so yeah, so that they, <laughs> the but legend- they they both went to university in Graphite Canyon, <laughs> yep. and, and had like their their garage art studios yeah, where yep. where week in week out they were just slaving over yep. Yep. over like you know just little yep. comic strips that I- they produce week in week out. Yeah, and obviously then they get to, so they find out that uh, Charles Schultz uh, is also a resident of Graphite uh, Canyon. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, then there's a kind of like a bit of a friendly competition between the two of them to see who can meet him first. Because yeah. like Charles is a little bit of a reclusive. He really just likes to keep to himself and, and munch on his peanuts. Yeah, and, uh, and, and like so in, in that respect, his personality is much more like Bill Watterson. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Bill yeah. Watterson is the, the quiet sort of undersung type, yeah. but but uh, Jim Davis is really sort of bold and out yeah. there and he's got that big personality. The taste of success, right? Like, yeah. So Charles obviously has a lot of success and Peanuts was and has been licensed out for so many different yeah, things exactly. as well. Uh, I believe that Snoopy is the mascot for MetLife, uh, the, the big bank in America or the big insurance company and has been the mascot for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, so I like the idea that Charles Schultz is kind of like both Davis and Watterson combined. Yeah. Um, and so he appeals to both of them. You know what we need yep. that, that this story is missing? Yep. Is a love interest. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, like a like a Lucy to uh, to Charlie. Yeah, or Susie Durkins to Calvin. Yeah, or, or a Odie. Od- <laughs> uh, I, I, I've never read Garfield. I think Liz is the love interest to John. John, who's the female Garfield? I don't think there is one. There's like a little baby one called Nermal. Nermal. I, I thought there was like a female Garfield that shows up. No, at one point. there is yeah. actually, and I don't remember her name. We'll go She's with Liz. Like, so Liz? somewhere between Liz, Susie, and uh, <laughs> Lucy. All right, I love. Okay, so a love interest for both characters. Are they trying to like? Yeah. Is, is it a, like a love triangle thing as well? I'm trying to think of a female uh, comic strip artist, and whilst I'm sure uh, Kathy, the the yeah, uh, yeah. what's her face, yeah. uh, I forgot what her is name. It? Yeah, it- I will call the Academy right now, who does keep uh, exhaustive records of um, uh, comic book artists. Kathy Guys White. So her name is Kathy. Kathy, yeah, it is. So the yeah. author of Kathy's name is Kathy. Yep. And when we, I mean, I was going to ask when did she start writing Kathy? I don't think. These are real contemporaries of one another. Doesn't matter. So it doesn't like, matter. History only gets in the way of telling it, a good it story. Truly doesn't matter. So I mean, the Academy is taught it, telling me that she was born in September fifth, nineteen fifty, which I think probably places yeah. her around about the same time as Davis and Watterson. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, who knows? What, so, I didn't even know how old Charles Schultz was at that time either. But it doesn't matter. Okay, so I like the idea that there's two separate. There's a protege triangle going on there. Yep. There's a love triangle. A love going triangle. On there. I also think there needs to be a MacGuffin triangle, and I like the idea that they're both trying to get um, Charles Schultz's first um, drawing board. Like okay. His first, yeah, like, sure. easel. What do you what do you call the um the drafting board? Yeah, drafting Whatever, board. Yeah. yeah. Um. So like, it's a, a legendary drafting board because I like that we need to just add a little bit of like a little bit of magic in there too. Why yeah. not? Like you, both of these comics are after it because they think it will bestow them with like amazing comic yeah. writing prowess not literally but just like they want it as like a spiritual um a spiritual device to, yeah. to propel their dreams another thing that these like sort of films tend to do is different like artistic styles and i yeah. quite like the idea that at certain points in the film they turn into comic book 
style animations. Yeah. So like stylized drawings of themselves. Perfect. Inhabiting the world. Yep. And I think that probably the points where there's the most conflict or the most emotion, mm. suddenly they turn into these four panels. Yeah. And they're supposed to condense all of that raw emotion yeah. into just sort of like four panel <laughs> yep. with a few speech bubbles. Cause you, and, right. and, and that way, like, you know, it, it really becomes sort of um, meaningful and poignant. And, you know, these these artists are represented as... Mm sort of characterizations of yeah. their own their own artwork. I love it. So and we'll get um whoever the actors are that we get to play these comic book artists, we'll just get them to draw the comics as well. So these actors may not be illustrators at all. Yeah. But whatever their level of drawing skill, we will use them and we'll use their individual art styles to create these comic book Yeah, panels. exactly. Even if they can only do stick figures. Totally fine. Um, it's a it's a extra level of authenticity that we absolutely love here at Movie Film Studios. Um, so yeah, so whoever we cast in these two, I don't know. I kind of have a vague idea of what Jim Davis looks like, uh, but I have no idea what Charles Schultz looks like, what Kathy Guyswhite looks like, or what Bill Watterson looks I, like. I know exactly what Bill Watterson looks like. Okay, um, he's. Very tall, thin, dark hair with a with a mustache. He okay. looks he looks like if you've ever read Calvin and Hobbes. Yep. He looks like the dad. Okay. But with a mustache. With a mustache. Okay. Um, I imagine Kathy just looks like Kathy. A little bit. She has to, right? I think. <laughs> and then, again, I have no idea what Jim Davis looks like, except I'm just picturing. Uh, I think he's like paunchy and bald. Oh, really? Because yeah. I was whatever the owner of Garfield is. Again, I've never John. never read Garfield. Yeah. I'm fairly sure that's one of the things that you should know that his name is John. <laughs> Um, I just expected that he looked like that, but apparently not. No, he doesn't. Looks nothing like it. Um, but again, maybe we don't need to adhere to what they physically look like because uh, the Pirates of Silicon Valley, did they look anything like Jobs and Gates? Uh, Noah Weil, yep. Wiley um, does look quite a lot I, like Steve Jobs. You're right, yeah. Uh, Anthony Michael Hall, I think, may have played yeah, Bill yeah. Gates as well. Also, I quite a, looks a lot okay, like Bill Gates. Okay, so you do need to have a little bit of that in there. Let's cast this thing. All right. Let's okay. figure out who we're going to cast. See, my in. issue is I think actually Ashton Kutcher would be a decent Bill Watterson. Yeah. But he's just, he's been jobs. He's been played, yeah. Uh, I think we need younger as well. Paul Dano? Is Paul Dano. From, uh, he was in, uh, he was in Looper, I think, briefly. Um, he was also in Cowboys and, Cowboys Voices Aliens, he was also in. I'm thinking Prisoner, I think he was a... Uh, sure, yeah. Possibly. Uh, he was also in a couple of indie films that... Uh, Fan, was he in Fanboys, or am I thinking of someone else? No, I think you're thinking of someone else there. Um, he was in, like, Ruby... Yeah, Ruby, Ruby Sparks. Sparks. Um, I yeah. think he would make a good Bill Watterson, yeah, I think. Yeah, okay. Um, if he could grow, like, a wispy little moustache. Um, <laughs> which I kind of feel like he's the guy who's... Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. The moustaches that he grows are the wispiest of moustaches. So can Paul Paul Dammit, can he play, like, the kind of shy, reticent... Uh, Have you not seen every film that he has ever been in? Yeah, but he kind of goes also for the clunky, awkward, indie slacker teen as well, doesn't he? Yeah, maybe. Sort of his shtick. I mean, speaking of that, I mean, there's also Andrew Garfield. Uh, I mean, it seems... Should we cast Andrew Garfield as Jim Davis purely because of his surname? <laughs> I don't know. I reckon he could. Like, I, I think don't, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of Andrew Garfield, if I'm being completely honest. But me, you're not a fan of Garfield the comic either, so maybe this maybe is perfect. That, maybe it works. So, like, I'm thinking of, like, you know how in The Amazing Spider-Man, he played a much more, like, out there, energetic, kind of, like, um, sweet-talking kind of teenager... I feel like that would lend itself to the character of Jim Davis. Um, we'll just have to give him a bald cap. 
uh, and maybe just say, pack on the pounds a little bit, buddy. Um, was he was he an overweight youth? I'm I'm going to try and load up now. Really? A, okay. A are we, we going to look at Jim Davis as a child? Not as a child necessarily, but this is you know they're seventeen, eighteen year olds. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah yep. Leaving for university in yep. uh, in Graphite Canyon. Uh, <laughs> so wait, did Bill Watterson have his mustache back when yeah, he was that? in okay. college, yeah. Oh, wow. That's a bold choice, my friend. I, I actually do think you're on a winner there. If if I don't like Andrew Garfield yep. and I don't like Jim Davis, then it seems like <laughs> a match like made Garfield. in heaven. Yep. Yep. Um, I also don't like President of the United States Garfield. <laughs> um, I don't even like cars in fields because it just reminds me too much of garfield <laughs> all right all right so we've got andrew garfield and paul damo as... is it damo or thought it was dano oh it might be dano i've i have no idea no i think you're right actually i think it is dano my apologies mr dano and anyone who's called damo <laughs> uh so paul dano uh uh, we'll have to get him on to grow that uh, that mustache as yeah, soon yeah, as possible. Yeah, yep, yep. Um, who's playing Charles, Charles Schultz? Schultz? Now, I don't know. Like, I... if <laughs> Who would you imagine? J.K. Simmons? Uh, I think we recently cast him. We did recently film, cast him. But, like... Uh, but, I like, yeah, we need someone who's, like, an elder statesman, right? So, uh, I want to have him have the sort of same gravitas as the actor that played Mr. Miyagi, whose name uh, escapes me for the Marita. Time. There we go. Um... Who is the equivalent of that these days? What about, um, like, Donald Sutherland? I mean, judging from the imagery being sent to us from the Academy, it's got a, it's, there's a hint of the I Sutherland I mean, all you there. need to put is a, a pair of yeah. uh, big-lensed 80s yeah. wireframe glasses, glasses. On, on, on Donald Sutherland, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's a dead ringer for <laughs> Charles Schultz. <laughs> okay. Uh, and Kathy... Kathy Geiswine. Okay. I just... Um, I really... I think... I, or I just want to cast Anna Kendrick in anything, apparently... <laughs> Because um, how about uh, Aubrey Plaza? If we're not going to cast uh, Anna Kendrick, yep. we can um, cast Aubrey Plaza as a slightly manic. Uh, I imagine Kathy is slightly manic. You uh, know what? Aubrey Plaza, almost spot on. All right. Like, uh, let me just show you what the Academy is showing me. Done. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Um, so there's our cast. That's a great yeah. cast. That's a stellar lineup of actors and actresses uh who will absolutely do this biopic some justice well i say biopic but yeah i mean you know i'm sure with um social network and jobs and uh they took a few liberties here and there yeah um maybe we're we're a little bit more there than we are here yeah yeah. maybe we can get aaron sorkin on board to write our film i think he would be perfect great we can do some great walk and talk scenes and uh his sort of snappy uh, I mean, like comics are all about the dialogue. Exactly, like, it's it's getting as much information yeah. as possible in as few words yeah. as possible because yeah. you just don't have the real estate. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like, there's nothing real. I mean, the Kathy art style is pretty simple. Garfield's art style is pretty simple. Calvin and Hobbes probably has more art to it, but it is about the spoken word. So, Aaron Sorkin, um, we, R- we'll, written by Aaron Sorkin, written directed by, Aaron Sorkin. by uh, David Fincher. David. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, what type of film would David Fincher make of our? Actually, you know what? I mean, he was able. To, he did the social network. He did, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. So I think we were in really good hands here. Yeah. This is serious subject matter. Absolutely. It may or may not be historically accurate, no. but I think to bring the gravitas to the story that yep. we really want to get across. Yep. Um, and really capitalize on yeah. that, you know. And these are powerhouse American comic book authors. Wait, is Charles Schultz American? Uh, I imagine so. Like, right. I, I'm 
it's obviously a, a German surname, but I, I'm fairly sure he's... Um, who knows about American porn? We've got a lot of Googling this episode. <laughs> obviously, we normally talk about things we know a lot about, which yes, is... he was American. All right. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I mean, we're talking about, like, powerhouse American comic book authors here. Who else to have better to direct a film of this magnificence and, and depth than David Fincher yep. with a film written by Aaron Sorkin? Aaron Sorkin. Starring a legendary cast of actors as well. I mean, we really have... Is this an Oscar? Are we? I mean, we're we're getting there. Yeah. In 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 most other films that we release, there's a, there's a point there where we go, you know, spectacle and the the entertainment of the people sitting yeah, yeah, in yeah. their seats is going to be more important. Yep. Than getting that sort of Oscar bling. Yeah. But I think there's going to be a certain point here where people are watching this film, going, "I'm not entertained at all." <laughs> And you know what that means? You're we're in Oscar territory, baby. Absolutely, yeah, yep. It's, it, yeah, it's one of those like when you're watching, it, you're like, I know this film is important. Uh, I can't wait for it to be over, and I know it's going to. But be I'd awards. rather this have Dwayne the Rock Johnson <laughs> and a giant gorilla smashing through downtown New York. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason why our film can't have that, really. I mean, yeah. There's going to be comic book interludes. There is comic book interludes, but they are so emotionally packed <laughs> that it's just, it is just like almost uncomfortable okay. to watch. Yep, yep. Um, <laughs> just like breakup scenes between Jim Davis and, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, I'm, I'm sure Jim Davis and Bill Watterson on a drunken night, yep. uh, you know, uh, you know, they, the, the, I mean, a triangle has three sides. Yeah. Otherwise, it would just be like a greater than symbol. <laughs> yeah. So there has to be a connection somewhere there yeah, between yeah, Watterson yeah. and Davis. Absolutely. And like we we explore that, and then the resolution of that is just like in a three-panel comic where yep. they're just sitting there and they don't say anything. Yeah. And then one of them just walks away. Yeah. It is almost the Garfield without <laughs> Garfield. <laughs> it is, actually. Where all of the dialogue's gone and it's just someone sort of standing there for a yep. bit and then they just yep. sort of walk away and go, yeah, this is lonely and this is horrible and this yep. is uncomfortable. Yep. And do we want people... Sitting here with popcorn mm. on the edge of their seats. No. Yep. We want them looking at their watches, going, "Is it okay if I get up and walk out?" Yeah. Because I'm not. <laughs> I, I just not feeling this at all. So, and that that is the kind of film that I want to make. So we need to sort of think about how long this runs for, and I'm really thinking like a two and a half hour kind of uh, running time on this really would give it the space that it needs to. With to hold all of this emotion. Yeah. All of this. Is uh, there a way drama. that we can? introduce like a piece of technology into theaters mm. that's like like a um electronic pulse or like some sort of like yep. uh trojan wormware <laughs> that gets into everyone's timekeeping devices yep. and literally makes the, the seconds tick slower <laughs> and like literally makes sure, makes them feel like the passage of time is at a crawl <laughs> because we've got this sort of piece of technology yeah, yeah, yep. where this is like this the last two minutes has felt like an hour. It's like that's because it was an hour. And even though your watch says it's only been two minutes, and it feels like an hour, like yeah, we yeah. we actually do it that's to right. do it that I mean, way as well. You know how you know how in most films when you walk into the cinema and you watch a film, you go in like and it's afternoon, it's nice and bright, and then you leave and it's like dark. And like, where did all the hours go? Yeah, no one will suspect anything when they walk out of the cinema and they've spent like five and a half hours exactly in watching our film because it's like, oh, well, it was daytime and now it's nighttime. <laughs> now it's the next day. <laughs> exactly. I, I just. <laughs> Great, I love it. Um, 
<laughs> I don't know how we're going to invent this technology. It doesn't matter. The the academy cannot ignore us no, if we do this. Because I'm fairly sure, like, for the last, whatever, how long they've been going, yeah, yeah, 80 yep. years, yep. this is what they've been trying to do. This is it. You know what? We've had, uh, so, like, cinema history, we had the invention of sound. Um, well, with that, with the invention of cinema first, then the invention of like sound uh, aligned to the actual moving yep. images, um, and then we had color, a long gap, and then there was color, then an even longer gap, and then we had stuff like smell of vision, yep. uh, and then a huge gap, three D goggles, three D, another gap, and this is uh, what are we going to call it? Time altering? No, no, I mean it's got to be chrono. Chrono means time. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, um, chrono stop. Chrono stop. Chrono stretch. Yeah. Um, yep. Uh, was it Panavision? Uh, 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 yeah, Cinemascope, I, Chronoscope, Chronoscope. I like the like Pana because it sounds like it feels like it's nice oh, and wide. Oh, stretching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, a uh, Panacrona. It sounds like a dessert. Actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some Italian dessert. Yeah. Um, we'll come up with a name yeah, for yeah, it. I like it. It's Chrono Chrono Stretch Chrono Pana yeah. Stretch Chrono Pana Stretch. The word has to be as long. Yeah. Like, it's just like, you get like three quarters of the way through the word, and you're like, I don't have time to finish this word. <laughs> yes, you do. It's just too long. No, you do. If have- I keep, keep going, it's going to wait. I suppose I could keep. Yeah, so. <laughs> but see, the thing is, you will have time because that device will be doing its job and stretching it out yeah. for you. All right, great. Um, um, <laughs> we need we need a title for the one, film. Yeah, we need one more thing, and that is the title for the film. Uh, so we're obviously dealing with a, a great rivalry here between Jim Davis and Bill Watterson. Uh, so it could be something like um, Bill versus Jim. I was thinking more like comic strip, sort of yep. like stripped. Yep. Um, and people think, oh, we're stripping away. Yeah, yeah. And then other people are going to read it. It's like, does that say striped? <laughs> yeah, it says striped because uh, Hobbs and Garfield are both striped cats. And they're like, no, it definitely says stripped. Yeah. There's either one or two P's in stripped <laughs> and only one or two P's yeah, yeah. in striped. And I can never remember which so one. It just has to be striped then or stripped. One of the two. One of the two. Whatever your preference is for how those words are spelt is what you will think of exactly. it. So it's either going to be, according to your perspective, striped or, or stripped. Or stripped. And both of those work because, again, stripey cats, comic strips. Yeah. What we'll do is we'll actually release it with, like, in some areas with one title and some areas with the other <laughs> to deliberately Just cause region, confusion. regional differences, but yeah. not even in countries that speak other languages. No. Like England, like, uh, S-T-R-I-P-P-E-D. Like, <laughs> America, S-T-R-I-P-E-D. No one will know. No, I, I was actually thinking within the same town. Like, <laughs> if you go, if you go to like the multiplex in one place yeah, yeah, and then yeah, you yep, go yep. somewhere else, uh, the posters are literally yeah. spelled differently. Um, Can we make? Okay, I think this should be a money making venture as well. So we market the extra P as like a premium P, and so ooh. any cinema chain that wants the premium like package from us will give them striped. You know what? You know what the good thing about that is. Yep, it is perfectly the dichotomy between Jim Davis Absolutely. and Bill Watterson. Yep. Yep. One of them is trying to merchandise yeah, yeah, yeah. and bring every last cent out of it. The <laughs> premium, the license, yeah, yeah. get the bonuses, right. pay the money. And the other one's just simple. Yeah. Nice and yeah, nice so and like stripped or striped. I can't remember which one. <laughs> so for the independent cinemas, you know, the little chain uh, ones, like uh, here we've got the Palace and uh, the local places. Yeah. Um, they'll get the, the Bill Watterson edition yeah. of the film. And uh, the big cineplexes, the Hoyts, the greater unions of the world, um, they'll get the Jim Davis version of yeah. the film. And the only difference is how they're spelt. One letter difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
But that still means we have to ship two different versions of the film because, like, the opening titles need to reference that extra P. The posters all need to be different. It's a big expenditure for us. Yeah. But we'll charge the bigger cinemas a bit more. Yeah, exactly. All right, great. Perfect. An extra money-making scheme is always welcome (laughs) to our coffers. Um, Okay. I think. I think that's a wrap. I think so. Great. Okay. Housekeeping, as per usual, we are online at moviefilmstudios.net where you can find all of our previous episodes, uh, some bios of Isaac and myself, as well as Mufuzawudada, a database of every single film that we've created on this podcast. Uh, We're on Facebook where we post enigmatic emoji clues as to the trailers that we've watched in next week's episode. Um this will be a tough one. Good luck with that one, Isaac. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of response last week. I can't even remember what the clue was. No yeah. one no one made it past the first clue. Um, maybe I'll go back to posting all three of them at once, yeah. uh, especially when they were <laughs> somewhat difficult. Indeed. Um, we are on Twitter as well. We are at Movie Film Studio, a great resource if you are a bot. Um, and we're on iTunes, we're on Podbean, and we are on any other place that you get find podcasts give us a rating on any one of those services uh as well it does help um even if you don't like it give us a rating or don't really please don't just just fake it um and i think that is it i think you're right uh, all that remains is to thank you all for listening again this week i've been isaac and i've been aj roll credits